Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to KCBS In-Depth, a discussion of one of the topics making news this week. This is KCBS In-Depth. Thank you, as always, for joining us on KCBS In-Depth. I'm Jane McMillan. One of the most devastating losses we wrestle with as individuals and as a society is the death of a family member, a friend or neighbor from suicide. Often seen by survivors as having been preventable, This loss can be crippling and healing can be elusive. And add to this heartbreak the loss of a young person or a child to suicide. Somebody with most of life ahead of them. And along with whatever challenges they'd been facing, they also had a life of potential solutions to those troubles ahead of them. In the past few weeks, some local school districts have been alerting parents to concerns about the Netflix television series, 13 Reasons Why. I'm not going. Not now. Not ever. Why didn't you say this to me when I was alive? Hey, it's Hannah. Hannah Baker. 13 Reasons Why, the TV series, is based on Jay Asher's best-selling book about a teen, Hannah Baker, who, after rape and bullying, dies by suicide, leaving audio tapes to keep people in her life explaining why. Settle in. Because I'm about to tell you the story of my life. More specifically, why my life ended. And if you're listening to this tape, you're one of the reasons why. Now, this TV series filmed in the North Bay, committed now to a second season, claims 13 Reasons Why is a way to foster discussion about suicide in teens. But warnings are going out that it may have the opposite effect on some kids and create that very risk. So how do we in society address this? Do we talk about it? Do we not talk about it for fear of encouraging it? Add the megaphone of media and questions surrounding responsibility, and that balloons, particularly in our digital age. And we have help with this question today. I'm happy to be joined by Jim Steyer, founder and CEO of Common Sense Media, a nonprofit independent organization helping kids and families navigate the world of media. And we have Taylor Lim, coordinator of the Youth Risk Reduction Program of the San Francisco Suicide Prevention, the oldest community-based telephone crisis center in the nation, founded in 1962, and it is the best practice model for such centers all around the nation. Taylor Lim, welcome to In-Depth. Hi, thank you for having me here. Happy to have you. Your first time, Jim Steyer. Welcome back to In-Depth. Great to be here, Jane. Always good to see you. Thank you both. I'm going to ask for a short answer to start with and your positions on this television series, uh, whether it helps or whether it hurts. Jim? I'd say this is, from a viewer's perspective, an incredibly important show for kids and families. And as a parent, sort of your worst parental nightmare rolled into one. The second point is... It, it helps in f- making media and tech executives realize they have an enormous responsibility to their audience, which in this case may not have been exercised fully. Okay. Taylor, you're in classrooms, and you're the youth coordinator at San Francisco Suicide Prevention. Mm-hmm. This TV series a help or a hindrance? 
Well, I've definitely uh, been discussing this show a lot in the classrooms that I've been to, and um, some points about the show that come up are, one, it can be beneficial because it opens that conversation about suicide and about the various challenges that teens face. Um, some things that um, children have brought up um, regarding support for the show is that uh, they feel that they've the show kind of teaches youth to stand up for people who are being bullied or maltreated. Um, and some youth can relate to some of the struggles uh, of the characters on the show, and it kind of helps them feel less alone. Um, on the other hand, some points against the show are that it glamorizes suicide. Um, suicide is shown as the only way for Hannah Baker to solve her problems. Uh, there are very graphic, triggering scenes of sexual assault and the suicide itself. Um, it beautifies the death and there's not really any alternative to suicide presented. So you, bo- that, you both brought up two of the basic points I'd like to talk about today. Jim, you talked about responsibility. Yeah. And Taylor, you just talked about, it's, it's about the context, right, for both of you. It doesn't include the context of a mental health component or a solutions component that, that because it's dramatized, it simplifies all the extenuating circumstances. Do you, would you agree with that? Yes, but the bigger thing I would say, if you look at it from the responsibility of Netflix and other media and tech platforms, is we believe at Common Sense that they have the responsibility to inform the audience in, in advance of, of, a, of a topic like this. Because as Taylor said, our biggest concern, other than that we got thousands and thousands of listener and viewer responses to commonsense.org, was that this could encourage kids to toward solution, vulnerable kids toward solution. And there was virtually no advance notice of this, so Netflix belatedly put out some warnings. But I don't think they had any idea the impact the show would have or the implications for the kids in the audience and the parents in the audience. And certain issues are, it's a well-made show. The one thing I'd say, Taylor and I will we'll give them, it's a well-made show, but in terms of entertain, I mean, enter- entertainment value, quality or, acting, okay, well right. written, based on a good book. But this is extraordinarily complex material, and to just throw it out there on an unregulated streaming channel with no warning is not responsible behavior in many ways. Even though the folks who run Netflix are are thoughtful people. Taylor, right. do you agree with that? That it's that it's the fact that it is out there on something that's not necessarily regular old mainstream TV that parents know it's going to be at a certain time on a certain channel and that it can be accessed online so easily. Is that part of the problem? Right. I definitely think that you know the entire series is laid out so people can watch it um, however crammed. Like, a lot of people binge, binge watch right. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are definitely some irresponsible ways in which the show portrays suicide. Um, if we look at the media guidelines that the American Association of Suicidology puts out, the media guidelines are to treat suicide deaths like any other death, that means don't glamorize suicide methods or motives. Um, don't show the suicide method. Uh, the, showing the actual suicide can be very triggering for people who are already experiencing those feelings. Um, and 13 Reasons Why, unfortunately, does not follow those guidelines. Now, I do understand, though, and I, I mm-hmm. admit that I have not seen the entire series, and I have not read the book. Yeah. Uh, but I understand and have been told that Netflix did alter the suicide scene itself to make it less graphic from the book to the series. Does that make a difference, though? And when you talk about triggering, 
It's so graphic. And also, there's rape in this series. And as Taylor said, you can binge watch this. And remember, on a platform like this, where there are no regulations on streaming platforms, because those platforms are complete, that's not like broadcast that we're on right now, Mm -hmm. or even (laughs) cable, um, classic cable. So there are really extraordinarily sensitive scenes there. And at Common Sense, we said we wouldn't let your kid watch it unless they're over 16. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is being sent to households where eight, nine, ten-year-old kids can click on it. Number Mm -hmm. two, you have a lot of vulnerable, millions of vulnerable kids out there who can take the wrong messages, not just Mm -hmm. about suicide, but about rape, bullying. So it's a classic series that, while well-made, and our motto is sanity, not censorship at Common Sense. So we believe that shows have the right to be aired, and on, including on any platform like Netflix. But you, we believe that companies have a duty to the audience to inform them and to belatedly put a TVMA rating, which nobody knows what they mean anyway, uh, is, 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 is so second, secondary. And I think... The reason you've seen such outcry, I said at the beginning, this is parental nightmares all rolled into one TV series, right? So parents think that and educators think that. And kids may or may not learn messages, and it depends on where they are personally. But with a show like this, we need to have a much better system for informing people both in advance, but then on an ongoing basis about how to interpret some of those messages. How would you both have liked to have seen this rolled out if we're following the you know, sense, common sense, not censorship. Right. Because art, news, <clears throat> media, obviously a place in a free society. So, so I mean, we ask ourselves this in the newsroom all the time. We have standards about what we do and do not say about an attempted suicide that right. may be impacting traffic. We don't say that. We, we won't talk about that because we don't want to encourage uh, or harm the negotiations. Um, but we could also, I think, wrestle with the fact that we don't regularly call up the Golden Gate Bridge and say, or any bridge, and say, how many today and why aren't you doing anything about it? So it's how should we be talking about this response? Well, let me give three examples and then Taylor, I'd be interested. I would sure. say one we, we recommended, and I told my friend, the CEO of Netflix, that they should have emailed account holders who view one or more of the episodes and include suicide prevention resources mm-hmm. and discussion guides for families. That's point one. The second is make sure that 13 Reasons Why is not being promoted to accounts that view content skewing younger than 16. They have massive data available about who their users are. They can tell that. And then and you should not have ever had any promotion to those accounts. And third, they can place suicide prevention resources, such as what Taylor represents, in and adjacent to the show. And you should do that from the beginning. Now, they've announced they're going to do a season two. So I don't know who's going to die in season two, but this is what they they should have done in season number one. And by the way, it's not just Netflix. It's also the other unregulated streaming platforms. Because you, Jane, at KCBS are under completely different regulatory schemes than the large tech platforms that have emerged in an over-the-top streaming universe. I want to get Taylor's reaction, but while you're ta- we're talking about your good friend, uh, who's the head of Netflix, what was his response? I think he's one. Of, I think Reed Hastings is one of the most responsible people in the in the tech industry, and has had years of service to kids in education. So that doesn't mean I agree with him all the time. I think he took it very seriously. He would not have met with me immediately if he didn't care personally. So I think that's one thing. I think they missed the boat on this one. I just think they missed it, and they didn't. He's such a huge company that he runs, and I don't think he. Pre- 
personally or some of his top colleagues recognized how incredibly impactful the show would be or how widely it would go viral with young audiences, which is what happens today, as Taylor knows. Mm-hmm. And so, Taylor, do you think that those warnings um, and, and the, you know, the monitoring of accounts are not promoting to those accounts? Will that work with kids or will they find a way around to get into their, you know, what are you hearing in the classroom and what are you seeing in terms of of kids getting access? And I shouldn't even say kids because young adults are vulnerable. We're Mm -hmm. talking, you're saying 16 or over, but 17, 18, 19, my gosh, this is right in that wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do think that kids would be able to find a way around that. Um, But, you know, uh, connecting uh, young adults with additional resources um, that would be a good a good way to go I know that the show did have really brief trigger warnings um, like right before some of the episodes but even that wasn't very protective with regards to what was shown um, I think no matter what you do to portray suicide in a movie or a TV show it, it's very hard to do um, because it is such a sensitive topic um, showing suicide, can be very triggering for people who are feeling suicidal. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think because 13 Reasons Why had such a big impact, um, it would have been more socially responsible if they had shown other um, resources that the main character could have gone to. Um, yeah. And that, that goes back to that, the question of content. And I wanted to play, you know, one more clip, which brings in some of the character, and it's a dramatization, obviously, but brings in this question of, is it the whole story? Whatever Hannah thought she saw, she lied about it on those tapes because she's a crazy drama queen who just killed herself for attention. Maybe I'll never know why you did what you did. I can make you understand how it felt. You don't know the whole story. Okay, you don't know the whole story. Mm. Uh, that also, that clip also, in some ways, vilifies the victim of suicide. Right. It it sets up this whole other drama interaction sequence, which kids are saying, "Hey, this is part of our world." Is that what you're hearing, Taylor? Yeah, I'm actually really glad you played that clip because um, one thing that we talk about with regards to the show um, is that it can, in some ways, perpetuate some stigmas around suicide. Um, there's this idea that people who talk about suicide or feel suicidal are just saying it for attention. Um, And that often comes up in discussions in classrooms, this idea that someone who is suicidal isn't really suicidal, they're just saying it for attention. Um, And that's really harmful. Um, I like to flip it in classroom discussions and saying, if someone is saying they're suicidal, let's give them that attention, right? I mean, as human beings, we all need attention. We all need to understand that we're cared about and that we're valued. And if someone is talking about suicide, Let's give them that, that. I think with a show like this, you have a responsibility not just to address the young people in the audience, particularly the vulnerable young people, but also the parents. Mm-hmm. Parents deserve a voice in this. I mean, if your 12-year-old is binge-watching 13 Reasons Why, you need to know that. You need to have advance notice of what's in that. That should have been done. Also, educators, that what you're bringing up, Jane, is that you know you said some of your colleagues are getting letters from their schools. Yes. This is spread virally. Schools and counselors all across the country are deeply concerned. So... With a, with a series like this, if you make the decision to greenlight such a controversial series, there's a lot of responsibility that goes with that. And in this particular case, 
we don't think that responsibility was exercised. And I'm sorry, when you are making millions or billions of dollars on media and tech platforms, you have a responsibility to the audience, whether it's an entertainment show, a news show that slants things, or whatever. Right? If, if, if two things can come from this, I think the first is dealing with the issue of suicide and how improperly framed messages can really damage an audience. But the mm-hmm. second is about corporate responsibility and specifically the technology industry's responsibility more than just the media industry uh, regulation. You have a technology industry state centered here where it's basically up to the responsibility of the companies to decide what the audience should see, what they need to know, etc. And that is a very big public interest question, not just for people in the Bay Area, but all across this country. And the globe, which I mm-hmm. wanted to bring up in a Correct. moment. But I want to remind folks, if you're just joining us, we are talking about uh, teen suicide, youth suicide, um, how we should responsibly talk about it, how it should be presented in media. And our guests, Jim Steyer, founder and CEO of Common Sense Media, and Taylor Lim, coordinator of the Youth Risk Reduction Program of San Francisco Suicide Prevention. I'm Jane McMillan. So this is not just a U.S. issue. I was reading some articles to bone up on this. <coughs> this particular television series, 13 Reasons, is a global Phenomenon. These are global businesses. Let's mm-hmm. not kid ourselves. If you're talking about Netflix or Facebook or Google, just look at their profits and where they come from. And Netflix is, by the way, the leader globally in streaming services. But you're right. And remember, we are the center of the we are the world's information and entertainment center here. So when we create a series like this, it has global ramifications. And by the way, it's marketed globally and they make tons of money globally by distributing this. So the responsibility factor starts here in the US with our kids and our families. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's reaching so many people um, and the messages that are on that show are reaching so many people too. Right, Taylor, at yeah. the at the suicide San Francisco Suicide Prevention, which is a telephone-based crisis intervention mm-hmm. center are you getting specific calls about this i mean where where you have teens in crisis who are referencing this program as a possible solution uh, yes definitely uh, we've definitely had a pretty decent number of calls where especially youth are talking about the show and talking about how maybe they know someone who has been um, relating to the characters on the show um Uh, There was an account of someone who actually um, attempted the same way that Hannah Baker did. Um, So we are already seeing kind of that copycat phenomenon happening. What are kids in the classrooms that you're talking to? Are they are they looking forward to the second season? Are they are any of them were any of them disturbed by it or or is it mostly a fascination? Um, I think most kids that I've talked to were pretty upset by the show. Um, they were very upset about the graphic scenes, um, upset in the way that suicide was portrayed. Um, I remember one student particularly mentioned how um, Hannah was not portrayed under a compassionate lens. It was kind of more of a demonizing lens, mm-hmm. um, which could really harmfully affect the way that people view suicidal individuals. Um, something that I really like to tell students, too, when we're discussing this, um, is there there is a scene in the show where I think Hannah goes to a counselor, um, and the guidance counselor essentially brushes aside her feelings of suicidal ideation as, you know, not being real or valid. Um, and, you know, I do like to tell students that this is not 
typical of counselors. In reality, counselors are trained to take this seriously, to take suicidal ideation seriously, and to um, kind of support people if that ever comes up. Yeah. How would you both react if, if someone said to you, well, isn't this just really a, a matter of parents monitoring their children better, that that's an open market, that free flow of information, and isn't it really just a matter of better monitoring what kids are exposed to. Is that fair? That is not fair. Um, Not in a 24-7 digital media landscape. And what I would say, because we believe the parent's voice in this is critical. And our point, we basically, Common Sense puts out nutritional labeling for media and tech. You can decide what's right for your kid. And every child is different, so parents are going to make their own minds about whether their kids are ready for different kinds of programming. But parents cannot make informed decisions if they don't know there's a decision to make in the first place and if they don't have the information they need to help them make that decision. That is our big critique here. And and young people cannot make decisions about what to view or not view if they similarly don't have that kind of information. Now, much of what you see on media platforms today doesn't is not this sensitive and this complicated as, as Taylor's making clear from the young people they've been meeting with. But... This information, you can't blame it all on parents. That is the industry's fallback, go-to excuse other than it'll stifle innovation. That's their other favorite line. And the truth is, there is a real responsibility on the industry. And, And in this case, it probably wasn't exercised to the degree that it should have been. And so there will be fallout. The question is, can we learn from this and go forward? Taylor, do you think that parents have a greater... I mean, do you hear kids talking about... Uh, my my folks don't know what I watch, or or my mother told me not to watch this, but I watch it at a friend's house. Or I mean, it, for for kids and teens who are accessing uh, something that is so viral and popular at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, do they see their parents' guidance as even a factor in this? No, actually... That's an honest answer, folks. I'm sorry, this is a very honest answer. Yeah, parents don't come up in the conversations at all um, when we're talking about this show. Uh, So that's, yeah. Yeah, but but a parent can intervene. If their parents know that that exists, you can proactively go to your kid and say, listen, and, and by the way, you also may know you have a vulnerable child. You Mm -hmm. may know you have a child who has certain mental health issues going on Mm -hmm. or just is having a really difficult social emotional time in school right Mm now or was in a school in Pally High. I mean, at Gunn High School for years here in the Bay Area with big issues with teen suicide. Mm -hmm. So that was enormously challenging. So it's to give it's not that kids are likely at 14 or 13 to go to their parents. Mine weren't. (laughs) But giving both the parents and the young people the information of what's in it can help guide them. And then the services that Taylor and and her team provides are so valuable. So, Well, we hope that some kids who may be disturbed by it would go to their parents. But mm-hmm. the other part of this, as Jim pointed out, is that and that schools are now trying to catch up on and point out, is mm-hmm. that to alert parents that this is out there, their kids may have already <clears throat> seen it and mm-hmm. to be aware. So, yeah. Taylor, what should parents look for? Should they initiate the conversation? Mm-hmm. Are you watching this? Um, what are the 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 signs that a, a child may be vulnerable or mm-hmm. a young adult vulnerable and showing signs of being mm-hmm. triggered? Yeah. Um, there are some warning signs that are often seen in youth uh, if they are 
considering suicide. Um, and these are things like hopelessness, agitation, um, expressions of having no reason to live, um, feeling like they're being trapped. If you notice any self-harm behaviors, for example, substance abuse, uh, eating disorders, cutting, um, all of those, social withdrawal, any any type of big changes or severe symptoms that last a long time, those are all warning signs. Um, obviously, if someone is uh, talking a lot about suicide or talking about methods, maybe joking about suicide a lot. Those are all things to look out for. Um, and if you notice that your child is exhibiting these behaviors, um, the best thing to do is to just ask. Like ask, you know, maybe you can point out, hey, I noticed that you've been, you know, withdrawing from your friends. I noticed that your grades have been dropping. Um, to give some examples, um, and then it's totally okay to ask straight up. Are you feeling suicidal? Um, that is the best way to figure out if someone is feeling suicidal or not. Um, and again, if you are concerned about your child and you need some extra guidance, I really encourage you to give us a call, give the Lifeline a call. Um, Do you want to give that number now? And yeah. by the way, we'll put both of your websites on our website, which awesome. is cbssf.com. But please, and the, your, your number too. Yeah, great. So uh, San Francisco Suicide Prevention, the crisis line is 415-781-0500. Um, it's 24-7, free, confidential. And the national lifeline is one 800 273-TALK, T-A-L-K. Um, and yeah, so let's say your child does disclose suicidal ideation to you. What can you do? Um, one, take a moment and just breathe and kind of calm down, kind of center yourself. Um, and really expressing your concern and your love. Um, showing them that you care about their well-being, um, working with them to make sure that they can stay safe, um, and um, connecting them with mental health services or even a hotline. Um, some things to avoid would be, you know, avoid pointing blame, um, avoid expressing extreme shock or distress. Um, some youth express that they're afraid that their parents will freak out um, and that they will end up having to comfort their parents. So trying to remain as calm and loving as possible um, and also avoid dismissing these feelings as a phase or something that they're just using to get attention. And, some, and certainly yeah. those numbers are not just for the person in crisis, but anyone right. who's worried about somebody in crisis. Exactly. Yeah. So again, those yes, as you said, those numbers are for anyone. Um, maybe you're concerned about a loved one who is feeling suicidal or, you know, people don't even have to feel suicidal to call. And just, the good news, Jane, is it works. Is some of the most valuable work done here in the Bay Area and around the country. And it works. And by the way, that's why if you're an, a company making an enormous investment in shows like this, you ought to make all that available up front. What to you in terms of impact is the difference between 13 Reasons Why as a television series, a drama, and and the book 13 Reasons Why? I do know that there are some areas of the country that librarians are worried at school and pulling the book, but is the impact the same because it's discussing the same thing? I know, first of all, I know that there are differences between the book and the movie, but I, I mean, the show, um, and I definitely would say that the show has a way larger impact than the book. Um, it's so widespread. As you said, it's global. Um, and there's definitely something different. There's a difference between 
seeing and hearing, like having audio and visual and a whole story as opposed to having a book. I so, agree. Yeah. I agree with Taylor. I think it's the visual representation of some of these issues. The fact, by the way, that it's so well acted and therefore real. But also, I think in the context of something like the streaming platforms, that you can binge watch it, that you can sit or sit, sit and watch six or seven episodes in a row, and that just the, the cumulative impact on the viewer is so powerful from a social and emotional standpoint in the audience. And also the viral nature of digital media platforms makes the impact all the bigger. Well, let's hope that the second season has the warnings and the outreach that you've all described, and we will watch that. And I'd like to thank you both so much for your expertise and your time today. We've been talking to Jim Steyer, founder and CEO of Common Sense Media, and Taylor Lim, coordinator of the Youth Risk Reduction Program of San Francisco Suicide Prevention. And we've got both of their website links, as well as the uh, crisis number, on our website, cbssf.com. Thank you, as always, for joining us. I'm Jane McMillan. You've just heard KCBS In-Depth, a news interview program, Sundays at 8.30 a.m. and 8.30 p.m. And now available for download at kcbs.com. For all news, 740 and FM 106.9, KCBS. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 